Asia Pacific currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest、uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning, and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the third of November. You're listening to Community Radio 3CR, and I'm Giselle, and I'm taking you through to 9:30 this morning.、Um, coming up, so of course, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links, and if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web, all the w's dot a a w l dot org dot au. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so find us on those social media platforms where we continue to. Post news and、um, current affairs and information about labour movement activities across the Asia Pacific region. So, coming up on today's program in the second half of the show, I'm going to be speaking with Laurie Berg. She is one of the、um, researchers involved in that landmark、um, migration report that's come out of the University of Technology in Sydney. About、uh, the degree or the depth of wage theft experienced by migrant workers, and、um, some of the revelations about my, why migrant workers aren't、um, pursuing some of these wage claims. So I'll be speaking with Laurie in the second part of the program. But of course, first up, as always, news from around the region. We're going to start off in Sri Lanka. Last week, thousands of tea workers, their families, and supporters left their tea plantations in central Sri Lanka to stage a major rally in downtown Colombo. The workers' demand was for a raise in the minimum wage, which has not changed for the last three years. With negotiations with employers not producing any results, the tea workers came to the capital to petition President Sirisena. In the evening of October 24, after waiting for most of the day for a response from the presidential palace, the demonstrators' sit-in was forcibly broken up by police who used batons, tear gas, and water cannons against them. The workers' situation is made even worse by the fact that some of their trade union leaders are actually part of the governing coalition. This is the state of corruption in the union movement in Sri Lanka, but of course, a situation for those workers. And just to connect some of these pieces, it's those workers, those people, those families that are among the refugees that are seeking to come to Australia, but also among those migrant workers who are being desperately exploited in this country too. Uh, moving now to the situation for the Rohingya in Myanmar, hundreds of Rohingya men, women, and children have been held indefinitely for several years without charge inside a detention centre in Saudi Arabia. Does indeed sound familiar. Many started arriving in Saudi Arabia from 2011 onwards, fleeing repression in Myanmar and seeking a job in that country's booming economy. In the last few years, amid an economic crisis, the Saudi Arabian government has rounded up and deported hundreds of thousands of migrant workers. Unfortunately for these workers and their families, Myanmar does not recognise them, and therefore there is no country to send them back to. This has resulted in some of them languishing in detention centres for up to six years with no prospect of freedom. Unsurprisingly, the physical and mental health of these people is poor, and many developing、uh, many of them are developing more complex conditions the longer they remain locked up. 
And in Australia, and this is the feature story um, of the show today, a landmark study from UTS um, and the University of New South Wales has found a substantial proportion of international students, backpackers and other temporary workers paid around half the legal minimum wage in Australia. The researchers found that even though most of these workers know they're being underpaid, less than 10% of these workers had taken any action in an attempt to recover these unpaid wages. According to the researchers, it's obvious that there's a culture of impunity for wage theft in Australia. This wage theft nets employs many hundreds of millions of dollars every year. Actually, I think we're up, we're looking at about billions of dollars. Conversely, migrant workers reticent to complain about underpayments due to fear of job loss, fear of consequences regarding their temporary migrant visa or citizenship um, status and pessimistic about the outcome. Striking and now uh, looking at the garment workers in Myanmar. For over two months, hundreds of workers employed at the Fuyen Garment Company have been on strike complaining about poor working conditions and mistreatment from management. While negotiations were seemingly going well, and this is in Myanmar, um, the company suddenly dismissed 30 workers, all of whom were active union members. In response, the workers set up a protest camp outside the factory gates to demand the reinstatement of the dismissed union members. On Sunday, the 16th of October, this protest camp was attacked by a large group of thugs armed with wooden poles and metal rods. There were 200 mostly female workers at the camp at that time. The attack left many workers injured, with at least six workers ending up seriously injured in hospital. No attacks, no attackers have been detained yet. And in India, the continuing death of manual scavengers in India while cleaning sewers and underground septic tanks led families and labour activists to organise a rally in central Chennai. The demands of this rally were an end to this inhumane occupation, the right of workers engaged in manual scavenging to live as dignified citizens, and justice and compensation for the families of the deceased workers. As many of the state governments in India regard manual scavengers as not important or not important as workers, the current death toll of 1,800 workers throughout India is seen as an underestimate as many deaths are not recorded. Even though manual cleaning of sewers and septic tanks is illegal in India, not one person or company has been fined for many of these deaths. And of course, we did report on um, a major report that came out about these workers um, who effectively spend their entire lives in the sewers. It's such hazardous work. Um, And uh, there are now some serious attempts at counting the numbers of deaths in that occupation no doubt it will exceed the deaths in the mining industry. And now in Turkmenistan, a cotton labour activist remains in jail. Um, Turkmenistan's major agricultural export is cotton, and every year the government mobilises tens of thousands of citizens to pick cotton under threat of punishment. Um, It has been well documented in the past that this state-orchestrated forced labour system leads to many human rights abuses as pickers are forced to work long hours in unsafe conditions for very low wages. A prominent researcher and journalist who had been monitoring these conditions has now spent two years in jail and that uh, researcher and activist is Gaspar Matalev. 
An international campaign is underway to secure his release and to call on the government of Turkmenistan to stop the annual labour mobilisation for the cotton harvest. And our final um, story this morning comes from Australia's own torture centres and this is about the leaked documents that has exposed Australia's regime of torture. During the last few weeks new evidence has surfaced that once again exposes the terrible conditions that refugees in Australia's concentration camps of Nauru and Manus are enduring. Australian journalists were able to obtain files for dozens of mental health assessments on child refugees and asylum seekers over three years between 2015 and 2017. Of the 41 children detailed in these files, 37 of them were classified as having substantial clinical risk to their well-being and mental health. While many children have been removed from Nauru due to their critical state of health, the Australian government continues to defend its anti-refugee policies, whether keeping people in Nauru and Manus, denying services to asylum seekers in Australia, or maintaining a naval blockade along the entire north coast of Australia. That is the news from around the region. Not positive news this week, unfortunately, but, you know, with the uh, rise of fascism across Europe, Europe about to fall to the fascists, not just Brazil, but, of course, you know, Italy and um, Germany and Austria. Um, And then with the revelations of what Australia is doing, well, not even revelations to many of us, unfortunately, there was no good news that could be brought this week. It is 11 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. I'm going to go to some community announcements and then I'm going to play a track. And that track is uh, Workers United by the hip hop group, uh, Australian group, I. Um, And then we'll have Laurie Berg from the University of Technology, Sydney, with the report on uh, wage theft of migrant workers. Threesia will be broadcasting live from the steps of the Victorian Parliament House in support of Defend and Extend Public Housing's 10-day vigil. Public housing, everybody's business. Join the anarchist world this week at Parliament House, 10am to 11am, on two Wednesdays, the 14th and 21st of November. And yes, there is more. Also join Talk Back With Attitude at Parliament House, 10 to 11am, Thursday the 15th and the 22nd of November. Make public housing a significant issue for the forthcoming state election. Join us. All these live broadcasts on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. Hey, this is Nick from Pinyao. You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you. Workers united, never be defeated. Workers united, we'll overcome. Workers United, never be defeated. Workers United, we'll overcome. 
Wankers United, never be defeated. We are the people who make things run. Wankers United, never be cheated. Protect your rights that were hard fought and won. Stand up. Stand up and fight for workers' autonomy. We are the engines of the economy. Those who are poor are in a minority. Shout let it out, cause we want equality. You can make a difference to help fix the world. All you have to do is believe in yourself. We celebrate our great diversity. This is the strength of worker solidarity. Workers united, never be defeated. We are the people who make things right. Workers united, never be cheated. Protect your rights that were hard We feel the pain of workplace injury Bosses who think our lives are cheap Make them feel the pain of worker solidarity Stand up, unite, don't turn your cheek Fight for the right for fair compensation Fight for the right for better education Equality, dignity, justice for all We want it now and we'll have it all Power to the people Not to corporations politicians Fight for the right for self-determination Don't put an end to casualisation Stand up and fight to return job security Each to the need from each their ability Don't let them chip away our civil liberty Fight with the power of workers' unity Workers united, never be defeated We are the people who make things run Workers United, never be cheated. Workers United, never be cheated. Protect your rights, and we're hard bottom one. Workers United, never be defeated. Workers United, we'll overcome. Workers United, never be defeated. Workers United, we'll overcome. Community Radio 855 AM It is 16 minutes past 9 o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents and I'm Giselle Hanna. An overwhelming number of international students and backpackers in Australia are suffering wage theft in silence, according to a landmark study by UNSW Sydney and UTS. Fewer than one in ten migrant workers took took action to recover unpaid wages, even though most know they're being underpaid. And this is according to that report, Wage Theft in Silence. One of the authors of that report, Laurie Berg, from the University of Technology, Sydney, joins me on the show this morning. Good morning, Laurie. Hi, Giselle. Thanks for having me. Thank you very, very much. Um, to start with, can you give us a brief overview of the results of the um, of the survey of the research you did? Obviously, international students and backpackers are a part of it, but they weren't the only groups of people you surveyed. Well, we surveyed over 4,000, almost 4,500 international students and backpackers. They were the main groups, but also other migrant workers 
who were working here on a temporary visa. And we first of all found that most of them were earning well below the minimum wage. And then, as you said, they remained silent. Fewer than one in 10 took any action. And so most stayed silent, even though most knew that they were underpaid. So, I mean, it's clear that stories of exploitation in the media are really just the tip of a massive iceberg here. And then the other key thing that we found is that of the very few who did come forward, even after all of that effort, most never recovered their wages anyway. Well, one of the remarkable things about the report is that many of them knew that they could take action but chose not to anyway. Um, A lot of these people come from countries that actually have strong labour movement traditions. Countries like Pakistan, the Philippines, um, these countries have big labour movements. So presumably these workers are aware of the power and strength of the union movement have these workers been going to unions to fight for their wages? Or what? How, what's another way to explain why these workers aren't actually fighting for their wages? Well, I mean, I think that, yes, you're absolutely right. Um, very few, I think 5, 5% of um, all of the migrant workers that we surveyed were members of union, a union in Australia. So the, the unionisation rates are pretty low. But you're right. People often assume, on the one hand, that migrant workers don't want to report underpayment because they might come from a different legal culture or they don't know about minimum wages in Australia. And I think most people don't think about strong union movements overseas. So we actually found, in fact, that Asian migrants were the most open to taking action. And, I mean, the vast majority of everyone who was underpaid, all the everyone on the temporary visa that we surveyed, knew that the minimum wage was higher than what they were getting. So there are other reasons why people aren't coming forward. And we found there are actually quite rational reasons why people don't come forward. Um, for instance, a quarter of people that we surveyed were afraid of losing their visa. And close to half didn't try because they actually just didn't know what to do. And... Many were also pessimistic that they would get their wages back. And then, so to be honest, I mean, that pessimism we found is warranted. And so there's a whole other story about what happens when people do come forward. I think this issue about losing a visa is probably the most important part, in my view anyway, of the report. Um, And I know that in some of the media that I've heard you participating in, and certainly what's coming out of the report, is that you're talking about the creation of an underclass of migrant workers because of the the depth or, or breadth of this wage theft. I actually think that is precisely the intention of the working visa scheme and of the way Australia's migration system works. So it's not accidental that actually you have these workers on these precarious visas at constant threat of having those visas taken away that results in this downward pressure on wages. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, as much as, you know, some sectors of the community talk about cracking down on illegal migration and if people, if, if international students have breached their, their visa conditions and worked more than the 40 hours a fortnight that they're entitled to, well, you know, I mean, we should crack down on that. If you care about labour rights, you should care about quarantining that immigration risk and concern and, and providing ways for people on visas to come forward to ensure that they get labour protections without losing their visa. Now, the Fair Work Ombudsman, which is, you know, the sort of national labour 
Enforcement Authority and regulator, um, they have they entered into a protocol with Department of Home Affairs last year that sought to create some sort of uh, assurance for migrant workers that their visas wouldn't be cancelled. But it's it's not strong enough for a range of reasons. It it only applies applies to visa holders who actually have work rights, so it doesn't help tourists, it doesn't help visa overstayers, and it only will protect against this visa cancellation. It doesn't assure that uh, having breached visa conditions won't come back to bite you when you apply for permanent residence. And so that does not appear to be effective in assuring people that it's it's safe to come forward, and so we haven't seen um, significant increases in people coming forward to, um, to to seek the assistance of the Fair Work Ombudsman since that's been brought in. So we need we need a much stronger guarantee for migrant workers that if they report wage theft, their visa won't be jeopardised. Well, actually, that uh, what you uh, that situation, the relationship between the Fair Work Ombudsman um, or the Fair Work Commission and um, Border Force reminds me a little bit of. Um, some of the demands that were raised to defend um, migrant workers, women who were trafficked in the sex industry in Australia, um, whereas so the, some of the demands we made resulted in their deportation. So these women who were coming into Australia working for illegal brothels, um, when reporting those illegal brothels, were actually put in immigration detention and deported. So given we saw that happen in that particular industry in the sex industry how is it that we're going to find a way just by asking government um through not having these deportations occur when it is certainly my view or my analysis anyway that this kind of um fear that's created on these precarious and temporary visas is designed to push wages down yeah, I mean, look, I think that you're absolutely right about the structural critique. At the same time, I think that, that things can be done. Reforms can be made to to make people's position a little bit more secure. It might not be a complete answer. But, for instance, over 10 years ago, they brought in trafficking legislation that did um, protect some people who came forward alleging that they'd been trafficked from immediate deportation. And, in fact, many of them actually do transfer onto permanent visas now. It's not perfect, but it's certainly a step in the right direction. And um, there's talk within the union movement and discussions about the possibility of asking for some sort of amnesty or just a, a bridge, you know, which, which might just be a bridging visa that allows people to regularise their status while they make a claim in order to at least recover the wages that they've uh, been that they've lost and that, that have been stolen from them, and to ensure that penalties are meted out on employers and that they're witnesses for to, for that to assist in those uh, trials and prosecutions, um, you know, so so that there is some justice amidst a complex immigration system and a sort of a global immigration system where some people are citizens and some people don't have the right to permanently stay here. I do tend to err on the side of pessimism, Laurie. I do apologise for that. So, yes, I, I accept that reforms are possible and these reforms can actually make a difference in the lives of um, migrant workers who are experiencing this exploitation. You mentioned the unions just a moment ago and I wondered um, what their reception has been to your report. Well, I mean, I, I, what I've heard from various uh, people within uh, the union movement is that, I mean, of course, this confirms what they already know. And, I mean, it, it confirms what we suspected as well. I mean, they know how 
prevalent wage theft is among some industries. And I mean, you know, the, the, the largest proportion of our, our participants, international students and backpackers, were working in food services. So two in five worked in cafes, restaurants, takeaway shops. And, and we know how poorly regulated that industry is. And then the worst pa- um, rates of pay were reported in agriculture and horticulture. And again, I mean, we there, there have been regular scandals that come are brought to the media and, and brought to public attention about the very low wage rates and terrible conditions that people work in there. So I think this confirms what they already know um, and, and also about how hard it is to actually take action in response to wage theft. I thought the I thought the findings of the report were very illuminating and very very important especially for lawmakers and unionists and union activists um in Australia to look at and recognize and understand. But I also wanted to say that what you discovered here in Australia is a situation that is replicated right across the world for migrant workers, this um, exploitation, particularly exploiting the fear arising from deportation is uh, is pretty is the source of what continues to drive these these wages down, not just here but globally and I wondered if there were any future prospects of internationalizing um, your study or connecting with studies that have been done internationally on this issue. Look, we would love to, and I actually think that international... I mean, there's a lot of work internationally on migrant workers and temporary migrant workers in a very large range of cultural um, con- national contexts. What might actually be a little bit under-researched and under- under-appreciated is actually the, the, the place of international students and backpackers in those countries. We focus on those, them here because I think they, you know, la- they comprise the biggest part of our silent low-wage migrant worker um, population. and uh, But it, I think in other countries where there are lots of people on low-skilled temporary visas or lots of people who are undocumented, I think that there's less attention focused in those contexts on international students and backpackers. But it would be very interesting to see, and I would have thought it might, would be probably quite likely, that the findings about international students here are replicated in many Western countries around the world, but it's probably flying under the radar. Well, Laurie, thank you so much for your time on the show today. Um, Obviously, there is much to do arising from the outcomes um, of your particular report. So the best of luck with that. Um, And it sounds like, based on what we've seen, that the unions have taken the findings very seriously, even though they've sort of known those issues. But hopefully we'll see some effective um, campaigning and a fight back against some of these issues. Yeah, and I should say, just before we finish, that the unions, although there were a very few number of participants who were members of unions, they had the best results when they actually took action. So I think that that shows, you know, that they're, they're, they're on the right track. Wonderful. Excellent. Thank you so much, Laurie. Thanks, Giselle. That was Laurie Berg. She's one of the uh, authors of the report coming out of UTS and the University of New South Wales on the wage theft of um, migrant workers, uh, the report being wage theft in silence, focusing on backpackers and international students. It is 28 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next Saturday from nine o'clock with more news and current affairs from the Asia Pacific region. But coming up next is Palestine Remembered.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.